This is The Rest is PR with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Vols. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to The Rest is PR. My name, as it will always be, barring incident, is Lyle Fulton. And I'm joined this week by the always wonderful, but this week, listeners, potentially my interviewer, Jackie <laughs> Vores, because this week, listeners, we're going to dive straight in. Before I ask Jackie how she's doing, I am—I've uh, made a mistake potentially. Although we're going to get onto whether or not this is a mistake. Uh, I, insofar as I have not worn a shirt or tie to this recording of the episode. Before we get on to why that might be a mistake with Jackie shaking your head at me, how are you this fine Friday afternoon, Jackie? How are you getting on? Yeah, really good. Been busy working out the advanced schedules of events and sort of dividing those up between all of us. Luckily, Victor did the WASD event this last week gone and the GDLX event. But we've got so many events coming up now. It's just crazy. And Daft's just been to GDC. And so we've got all sorts of things coming up for Pocket Gamer. We've got Seattle. We've got Dubai. We've got Jordan for them. We've got White Knights Istanbul. We've got so, so many events. Crazy busy. Games and we will be games for them as well. We'll so be present at all of those. There'll be a presence. They will. There will be a Demozo presence at all of these. Uh, and I've no doubt at no point will that presence be me. But there will be a Demozo presence at all of these events. It's probably a good thing that it won't be me. You're too be honest. busy. Too busy. And, you know, honestly, I'd turn up with a microphone and all hell would break loose because I'd turn it into a podcast episode instead of actually being there for what we're supposed to be there for. But Jordan, I mean, that would be really exciting as well. So, yeah, watch this space. Uh, as I always say at the end of every episode, Demozo are going to be off uh, here, there and everywhere attending these events and uh, and making magic happen. So watch this space on Demozo's social media and we'll we'll be picking up on things like that as well when, uh, when we have... Have our next installment of the podcast as well but this week listeners i alluded to it right at the beginning of this recording we're going to be talking about it's time it's time for that dreaded episode interview technique it's two words i think that when joined together spark fear in many a prospective employee of any organization in any industry in the world because i mean you can correct me if i'm wrong here jackie it's something you're either good at or you're not i think and what, it doesn't necessarily interviewing, interviewing being, being interviewed i think i mean also interviewing to an extent and we're going to touch on that as well but i mean it's you know being bad at being interviewed i'm going to go out on a limb here and say this and open this up straight away doesn't necessarily mean that you are bad at the job you're being interviewed for it's a bit like sitting exams i was terrible at sitting exams i had to revise for months before I sat my GCSEs, A-levels, as everyone should do. But I had friends who were just brilliant at exams. Yeah, that's not to say they weren't clever people in and of themselves. But, you know, when we go to quizzes now, and not that that's a measure of, you know, academia or intelligence, but, you know, I like to think we're kind of on a level playing field. But I had friends at school who were absolutely unbelievable at exams, and I just never really kind of took to them. And I imagine it's the same with being interviewed, right? You are either good at being interviewed or you're not. Is that the case? Or can you be taught? You can be taught. Here we go. Okay. You can definitely be taught. But I think it's a really tricky one, isn't it? It's a bit like when you're being interviewed, you're... I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like it's a bit of a dance, really, that you engage with people. Like uh, like when you're being chatted up or you're chatting somebody up, when you're trying to have a relationship with somebody. Because it is a, it's a business relationship that you're establishing. And, you know... 
the subtler things and the messages underneath the questions are things like you're trying to each of you are trying to work out do I like this person could I work with this person does this person fit into the team here so is there somebody who's bad at interviews possibly hmm. but whenever people go into interviews they're trying to present the best side of themselves sure and that is what the person who is interviewing expects to see is the best part of you they expect you to be putting your best foot forward so this is why I want this to come across in the most accurate way possible (laughs) when I say you have to be your authentic self but if your authentic self is slobbing around in tracksuit bottoms swearing a lot and picking your nose that is not what your interviewer wants to see. So be your authentic, authentic self. Authentic self. I provided mean, your yes, authentic so... self dresses appropriately and has the right answers. At their best. Your authentic <laughs> self at their best. I mean, that's, yeah. quite, that's quite important. No, for sure. But I, I mean, do think it can be taught. Interesting. Okay. I mean, we're going to try and go into as many specifics as we can, because actually we'd like this to be informative Jackie and I both have experience of having been interviewed. I mean, I've been interviewed by Jackie and I've also, you know, been interviewed by other people, other businesses, you know, in a variety of different industries. I've also been to auditions, which in and of themselves are interviews. Sometimes there's an interview section. We've also interviewed people. And so we know what it's like to kind of read body language, for example, is something that I think not a lot of people kind of think is a as big a deal as it actually is, you know, listening, taking things in, taking your time, how you dress, all these sorts of things, how you present yourself, maybe not dress, dress, that might be a bit too vague, quite literally how you present yourself. I mean, let's go with body language. When someone walks into an interview with you, be that virtual, which has been happening increasingly, or, you know, before virtual appearances or interviews were a thing in person, how important was body language to you? Could you read it quite quickly? It's so important. And the most important thing to me is that somebody is looking interested. And that sounds like a very basic thing. But I swear down, <laughs> even like as short a time as like a couple of months ago, I was interviewing for somebody for a pretty senior position at Demoso, And they were lying down across their leather sofa like this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And blah, I told blah. you I was tired. I'd had a bad day. Um, uh, and my sofa just happened to... No, I'm joking. It wasn't me. Listeners, it for the benefit of the tapes, it was incredible. not me. I can't believe it that. incredible. And this was for, as I said, a senior position where, as a senior in our organisation, hopefully you're helping the juniors along with their personal presentation. Yeah. You're helping them be like they would be in front of clients. So, yes. I think the first thing is, if your body language is alert, like... Mm. You look like you're listening. Over Zoom, you can be a little bit more exaggerated, but it does come across a bit. Mm. So you don't want to be too in your face. You don't want to be up here close next to the camera. You just just want to be looking on it. You want to be sharp. And however you make yourself feel, to do that some people literally physically use props so they'll make sure they've got their chair sat straight with their look watch this so if for those people who are just listening on the podcast i'm just moving myself into a position on my chair yeah which has got 
a straight back. My back is straight. I'm perfectly comfortable with my feet are on the floor. Yeah. But then, you know, if I'm sort of leaning back in my chair, you can immediately see that. Yeah. And so that to me says to you, I'm having a chat with you, Lyle. I'm sat back in the chair and it's fine. Mm. But if I'm podcasting, I don't like to be sort of, I like to look alert. I like to look interested. Sure. And it's the same with videos. That's it. And I suppose as well. Yes, I mean, sorry. Yeah. I mean, it's the same with, yeah, sort of folks interviews as well. But I mean, I suppose it's really interesting as well, this idea that I was going to talk about nerves as well when it comes to body language. And certainly from an audition's perspective, an interview's perspective, when I've been the one attending the interview or audition, I've often thought in the back of my mind, before I then was on the other side of the table, being the interviewer or the auditioner or, you know, the one in charge of the casting, whatever that may be. Before I was on the other side of the table, I possibly overcorrected because of nerves. I was like overcorrecting my nervous tics. So like if I sort of got a bit fidgety, I would stock still and like freeze myself. But then that might inhibit vocally how I might be coming across. I might be a bit uptight and maybe I'm not listening properly because I'm trying so hard to be still or look confident or look assured of myself. And actually, I'm sure this is something you'd agree with. Would you say that as an interviewer, you start to accommodate these things? You know, you have to encourage someone be the best version of yourself but it's okay to be nervous in an audition it's okay to be nervous in an interview and an interviewer will have trained themselves by however many interviews they've conducted they've also you know you you train as an interviewer I mean we've spoken about this in a previous episode of the podcast you get companies come in and give you actors Mm. to interview so that you can kind of hone and harness your own interview technique we're aware from the other side of the table that nerves are a thing and we mm. take that into account. Maybe don't try and overcorrect. Just like organically be yourself, and we'll kind of take that into account as we witness you. Do you see what I, I think mean? it all comes into your personal, physical, and mental preparation. Mm. It's all down to the stuff you do before you walk into that room, as to how confident you're going to feel and how nervous you're going to feel. Mm. If you've just got the bus and you've made the interview by the skin of your teeth, you've run through the door, you're a bit sweaty, you're a bit out of breath you've got a bit lost you don't know where the place was properly you're like on the cusp of being late all of that is going to stand to make you nervous when you're sat in front of the person Mm. so it's all down to planning and preparation yeah as most things are so preparedness have your messaging on point physically so let's talk about the physical because you brought up the nerves and everything else Mm. You've got to be aware of yourself and aware about how your nerves manifest themselves. And they do come across as ticks in some people, shakes in other people, sweats in other people, or sometimes defensive cockiness in some people. This guy. This guy can be defensively <laughs> cockiness. But yeah, no, yeah, a little bit. That, of that does actually happen. So you have to be self-aware of how do my nerves come across? How am I nervous? And how, how will that display itself? So, for example, if you know you're a sweaty person when you get nervous, you make the right preparations in advance and you make sure you've got a tissue or a handkerchief to wipe your hands before you shake a hand, that kind of thing. So that's one thing. If you know your nerves, you can prepare for your nerves. If you're a shaky person, don't take the drink that you're offered because you're going to burn (laughs) it. That's me. Yeah. 
you know, I'd so many times I'll, I've gone to do some public speaking and there's a bottle of water by the stand and I picked it up in my hands going like that. And I just, I just, and then a whole world knows you're nervous. <laughs> but the other thing is don't be ashamed to be nervous. Yeah. Nerves are there for a reason. They're there to get you on your game. Mm. So they're there to make you aware of everything, your surroundings, the person, make you listen more accurately. So embrace your nerves. Don't fight your nerves because nerves are good. Nerves can make you a little bit more sparky. For sure. So don't worry about that. When I'm talking about other kinds of preparation, mental preparation, it's all about finding out about the company that you're interviewing with, finding out as much as you can about the role that you'll be doing before you go for the role. There is nothing worse for an interviewer to have somebody sitting in front of them who hasn't looked at what the company is about, who hasn't even thought about what the role is going to be, who sometimes, and this has happened to me, thinks they're coming for a completely different role. And finally, if you're a graduate We respect the fact that you have spent three or four years or sometimes six or seven in academia and education and building up big student debts and and putting an awful lot of investment into yourself. But that does not mean that you start at the top of the track in many organisations. You know, everyone, even me, surprisingly enough, (laughs) should be humble when you are going for a role because mm. you you have to understand that you are probably competing with a lot of people there'll probably be a, a predefined idea in somebody's head about what they want mm. it certainly won't be a graduate overpricing themselves in both salary and position and i say this with all the love in your and the heart that i've got for graduates because i recruit an awful lot of I love graduates I want people to go to university and I want them to invest in themselves I think it's a great thing but equally you know I don't think there's anything against people who didn't go to university and did the hard not you know straight from school kind of thing so be prepared is the main thing just prepare to learn about what you're going for in terms of a job and preparation also means ready to ask some questions And this is a really interesting point as well. That was actually, you took the words out of my mouth. Have questions ready. Nerves, right? Go back to the nerves just really quickly, because I think it does come into the question side of things as well. I always say, and I've got friends who, and colleagues who I work with, not just in my capacity as, you know, running a theatre company and being kind of on the producing side, but particularly in kind of, you know, in terms of my acting and when I go on stage. And obviously recently I've started kind of playing at weddings and other functions as well with this um, wedding band company. And we all say the same thing. If you get nervous before these things, before going out on stage and before presenting yourself in whatever capacity that may be, be it on stage, be it in a musical capacity, or as we're discussing now in an interview situation, if you're nervous, I always tell myself that that means I care. If I'm not nervous as I go in, then what am I doing here? Because nerves mean I care about getting this nerves mean I want it and nerves switch me on and actually questions also mean you care because if you don't care about this role then you're not interested in hearing more because the bottom line is is that before you go into an interview situation you get the job description but deliberately I imagine I've actually never written a job description myself you know 
for people to then kind of apply for but you know yourself and and, and daf will have done for sure at the most and you'll have done it in the past key points are in there key information is in there but not everything's in there almost deliberately one imagines you know you've got to go you've got to be investigative as you go in and that also leads me on to another thing which is and it's a question actually for yourself how important is it and how relevant is liking them as in like quite literally them being the right character because there'll be people who come into interviews and I've had this with auditions as well there's an incredible story actually of small tangent I was part of a casting day at my old drama school when you go to drama school quite often you're asked if you want to in the weekends or like one afternoon if you've got some time off there'll obviously be auditions for the next cohort do you want to come and sit in and be someone who kind of stays with them in the room beforehand? And then you can be the one that they address their speeches to so that they're not speaking directly to the people who are in charge of making the decisions. And I was in the room once. I don't even need to be careful about saying his name because I can't remember. Um, but it was a, was a man and he was absolutely brilliant and he ticked all the boxes. I think he was from, he was from abroad, which kind of spoke to you know, something that they were looking at in terms of the demographic they were looking to bring into drama school. Fantastic actor. You know, his speeches went fantastic. But then he sat down. There's an interview section. So you've been doing a law qualification out where you're from, but you've come over here and, and you'd like to be an actor. Is that correct? Like, you know, why now? Why not law? Why do you want to be an actor? I don't know if I really do, you know. I think I just kind of want another qualification. And we all sat there like our jaws dropped to the floor. And we were like, there are so many people out, even just out there, out the other side of the door, who are coming here to, to act. They want to be an actor. That's kind of why you do it. This is almost like a rite of passage. It's something you got to do. And his likability sank through the floor because he was there for the wrong reasons. He wasn't there. He, he hadn't done his due diligence. He hasn't, you know, he's not involved in this process for the right reasons. I mean, how important is that side of things? I mean, it sounds like a really sort of horrid thing to talk really about, but I think it's crucial. Example, actually, of somebody who was really good mm. at what they did, but would be an absolutely insufferable colleague because yeah. they didn't love it as much as everybody else does yeah. and respect it as much yeah and that's the interesting thing with interviews and that's probably why you've got that sit down process as well as the practical process because you need to see how that person's going to integrate with your team mm. as well as have the talent to do what they do yeah and I think you've sort of you've put that as likability I'd like to take that a little bit further because personally Daff will tell you this. I like everybody. <laughs> We've spoken about this before. I like yeah. them all. And I want to employ them all. I want everyone to work for me. I like to see it as who would actually fit in to our way of doing things. Because everybody has a slightly different way of doing things. Mm. From my perspective, when I'm questioning people, of course I'm going to question them on their ability to do the role. I'm going to question them on their ability to be able to present themselves in front of clients. I'm also going to question them on their attitude towards independent work because a lot of our stuff is homework. You know, there will be lots of different places I sort of travel with my questioning. But if I don't see the genuine nature of the person and that they are of our ilk, so to speak, and that's sort of passionate about what we do, you know, wanting to get results for clients, having no embarrassment gene, climbing every mountain, never giving up, all of those qualities I have to try to see. And as an interviewer, 
you have to work your technique and your questions around trying to weed all that stuff out. Mm. But yes, likability, I, I think that's quite a kind of weird term to use, but no, for sure. will they fit in with our vision and mission and values? Yeah. Or will they not? And I think that's the way to look at it. Yeah. And I think it comes back down to as well, this idea that from my perspective, and this is just a kind of a preference thing, when it comes to auditioning someone, for example, for my theatre company, an actor who I might want to kind of, or might, me and my colleague might want to see for a role, obviously you want visible, demonstrative talent and engagement with the text we've given them and kind of, you know, things you look for from a performance perspective. But you can't teach passion and enthusiasm, I don't think. You can't, I, I can't train someone to be enthusiastic about the subject matter. They they either are or they aren't. I mean, maybe yeah. you can, but they could be, but like, you know, you either arrive enthusiastic about the job in hand. Everybody or you can don't. be enthusiastic, like. Yeah. Everybody yeah. can be passionate. That's, you know, it's a trait that everybody has. Mm. But everybody has it at different levels. Sure. So it's how people show their enthusiasm. Sure. And I've been, you know, I'm the first to say, you don't sound very enthusiastic about that. And you then you'll say, tell me something you are enthusiastic about. And they'll say, what? Like in work? And, and no. What do you like to do at weekends? Why yeah. do you like this particular pub? Why do you like these particular people? Because then you start to get people to show how they can display enthusiasm and happiness and that kind of thing. Yeah. So as a good interviewer, you should be thinking, hmm, I don't like that response. I'm going to weasel a little bit more out of that and I'm going to see why they're not this way. Sometimes you just think, just not quite getting them. Yeah. Being a facade and I'm not quite getting that person. Then you ask sort of different, I have some stock standard questions that I use that sort of take me down. And I'll use, I'll give you one. If your mum was here telling me about you, what would she tell me about you? You asked me that, but you use my friends. You said, if your friends, yeah, if your friends were sat here instead of you and I asked them about you, what would they say about you? And I think, because I've heard some answers to similar questions like that. Like, for example, like, what would you consider to be a weakness of yours? And like I said, you know, let's just let's reframe it. You know, if your friends were here, what would they say about you? How would you respond to someone answering it like this? Uh, they'd probably say, you know, to my detriment, you know, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. Yeah. It's like, stop trying to make a positive out of a negative question. We want That's you to be honest. Because everybody says that. And it's really, it's really interesting how you answer that kind of a question. What's mm. your what's your biggest weakness? Mm. So a lot of people say, I'm too competitive, or I'm too <laughs> perfectionist, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Some people are quite honest and they say, my spelling is really bad or my grammar mm. is really bad. Or they'll say, I am constantly challenged by organising my time properly. Yeah. And, you know, when people say skill-based stuff like that, I can usually help them with that. I can help people with organising. Yeah. I've had people that turn up thinking that they're the best time managers on God's earth and are literally organising themselves via their email box. Mm. So you want to kind of a little bit of, if somebody goes, oh, I'm too competitive, I go, yeah, tell yeah, me yeah. one. I've heard that sure. one. I always, I don't know about you, I always prefer honesty. I think I prefer I someone do. to be, to I, be like I open. do. I don't like that positive into negative. It's all that pre-planned stuff. It's all that mm. trained stuff. And I, although I do want people to be planning. Yeah. I also want people to be honest. Yeah. And also say what your strengths are, you know. And there's another thing I wanted to just say on this interviewing section is that 
when people go for interviews, they often think that they are beholden to that person to give them a role, that it's that person's decision, that person's judgment on them. The interviewer is making these decisions. I'm putting myself forward for this. I could get accepted. I could get rejected. But I want them to sort of pop that balance of power up a little bit and start to think of yourself as an asset. Mm. Not in a cocky way, but just think, I'm going to be spending eight hours of my day, five days a week, usually working for an organization. I've got to find out if it's the kind of place that I'd like to be that, you know, is going to fulfill me because at the end of the day, it is your life Mm. is your time, Mm. which is precious. Life is is a gift. 100%. You know, you've got to, And this will help you with your mental preparation for an interview. Go for what you want to do. Yeah, absolutely right. Going to some interviews, you're finding that they're all not quite what you thought the role was. Change it up. Try other roles. You know, so a lot of it is about preparation. But, you know, you're never really going to know what a job is until that's spoken to you about so I do really encourage people to go to some of these recruitment fairs that are on where they can go around and speak to different companies about what the roles mean a lot of people are quite snobby about sales roles Mm. and I again wholeheartedly encourage people to really if you can do a sales job you can do any job sales can be the most demoralizing can be the most tiresome frustrating jobs in the world but there's nothing that rivals the exhilaration that you get from making a sale when you make a sale and also there's nothing that rivals it's almost like if you're going to do a workout and you're going to get yourself fit and you know you're exercising all these muscles nothing exercises the business brain muscle as as much as getting into and understanding a sales role yeah it really is an amazing thing to be able to do. Some people just aren't cut out for that, and I get that. But if you can, and if you have that character to do it, I just try. Try a sales role. I worked in a call centre for six months before my first acting job, and it was at times really tough, and you, at times, are getting called everything under the sun. <laughs> and that's not me trying to... I, I, I could sugarcoat it, but I'm not going to. But... When so you the did, best fun. when you did sell, it was a real, you know, I I wouldn't go back, but that I could do it, and that I put myself through the process, and that the feeling I got when I, you know, had a successful call, it was superb. Another and thing I would say, actually, yeah. no, just to qualify this, sales is not all about just cold calling. I mean, no, you yeah. in a call center, you're right at the top, at the front of the tough site, making those cold calls to people yeah. who don't want to be spoken to. That's a hardest part of sales yeah but sales can be all sorts of different things it can be very consultative for sure be very helpful to people so you know just again explore sales as a thing that isn't just about being in a call center but it can actually be being a consultant it can be finding out what people need and delivering to them the solution to their problems which is actually what sales essentially is absolutely you're selling something that is you're not selling problems are you 
I mean, some do, um, you know, inadvertently. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't want to, you know, sort of you know, paint everyone with that brush. Some accidentally are, uh, or deliberately are, you know, for, for, to all intents and purposes. But, you know, you're selling solutions. The final thing I would say, a bit of advice, just to close this episode off, it's been really interesting. I hope it's been informative for you, listeners. And like I say, I mean, get in touch with us if you've got any experience of, in interviews good or bad i mean we haven't actually spoken and we'll do this in uh, in future episodes i'm sure we haven't actually spoken just yet about you know bad experiences we've had of being the interviewed oh i've got to tell you a quick story i'll go for it yeah no crack on yeah i was gonna say <laughs> oh here we go it's actually a bit of a segue from your example of auditioning this person who did a great physical audition and then in their interview didn't do very well when you nail it on one pass the interview Please, please, please do not lose your concentration. Don't think, oh, nailed it on that bit. Uh, Yes, I've nailed it. I'll float through the rest of it. A person who I will not name, who I know, was going for a much wanted, much wanted job. Um, Did actually end up getting the job. So it was a a good result. There's a happy ending. There was a happy ending. But halfway through the process... And this person was nailing the verbal interviews, went through, had been through quite a few verbal interviews, much wanted job, got to this test and it was called the attention to detail test. So you knew that this test was about your attention to detail. This person missed the whole second page of the attention to detail test. Oh my goodness. Oh my. You couldn't write it. You could not well, write They it. quite literally couldn't write it because they missed it. They, they missed it. <laughs> I mean, they couldn't write on it because they missed the second page. Luckily, luckily, they were a very good candidate and they had aced everything else. Oh, and it my. Was an honest mistake. But put as much effort into every part of an interview that you can. You've got to stay switched on. You, got to you stay switched. have to, have to, have to stay switched on. There's a... um. This is another small tangent, and then we will bring this episode to a close with a final bit of advice for, from both of us, I think. But in and of itself, a driving test as an interview, much as it has a practical, a, a fairly significant practical element. I, this person will remain nameless, but they are related to someone who has been a driving examiner in the past. We talk about body language. Apparently, 70% of driving tests are passed and failed in the first five minutes before you've even done a yeah. manoeuvre. Mine was. Um, in, in, in so far as, you know, they can see if you're confident or not. And then they're more or less likely to give you, I mean, I don't take this as red, you know, this is just speculation at this point because yeah. I haven't heard it, you know, factually, but they're more or less likely to give you some leeway on manoeuvres if they can see you, the confidence of you behind the wheel. But a story I've been told in the past, and again, I don't, I can't clarify or confirm or validate this story, but we used to have a test centre in Bedford where I did my test and you drive in, take a left-hand turn and then you'd park, you know, but your final bit was parking and you kind of more or less knew, yay or nay, in and of yourself, you, you knew whether or not you'd passed. And this person was fairly confident they'd aced it, similar to your story. They, they'd aced it, absolutely aced it. It comes down to paying attention and you're staying switched on. Absolutely aced it. But the test isn't over until the engine's off. And they didn't take the car out of gear when they pulled up and took their foot off the clutch and uh, drove into the wall. Oh, no. <laughs> drove forward into the wall. And they'd been perfect. <laughs> and I think they got... Uh... They got one major and it was Aww. crashing the car, <laughs> which I don't think that you can bad. do when you're driving test. But it's... I drove through a red light on my first driving test. The, the, the instructor had to do an emergency stop. Nothing will beat this. And my friends, if you're listening, you've heard this story many a time. And this is where we will leave it. I failed my first driving test for going too slowly. <laughs> I pulled up and parked up 
And the hardest examiner, and this was known throughout Bedford, he was the he's the harshest examiner. He turned to me and he said, Lyle, you drove absolutely brilliantly, but we only got two thirds of the way through the test. We didn't even go on the dual carriageway. I've not done half of what I wanted to do with you because you were driving too slowly. I've given you five minors for inappropriate speed and five minors for hesitation at roundabouts. They both lead to two majors and you failed your test. I'm so sorry. And so my second test, I drove horrifically, but I drove quickly. And I passed. Um, in my, that I went into the second interview about being a driver and went, right, what am I going to... And this is my final piece of advice, listeners. I learned. That's a jokey story, but I learned. And the final piece of advice I'd always give you, Jackie's alluded to already in this episode, be interviewing the person on the other side of the table always, right? Because you're going to have to work for them, work with them. So always kind of be, even if it's just in your head, interviewing them. Like, how are they with you? You know, that it's a two-way thing. Even though you're the one being asked the questions, You've got to work for this organization. You've got to work for this company. But the final thing I'll say is this, learn. Always be learning, right? Be humble enough to constantly be learning and adapting. And, you know, give yourself a bit of a break. If you don't get the first one, two, three, four, five, ten, you know, it sucks and it can be very arduous, but everyone's a learning curve and you'll start to develop a way of doing things. The nerves will start to dissipate or you'll find a better way of dealing with them. The more interviews you go to, the more auditions you go to, it's going to happen, you know, there is and somewhere they might make the wrong decision. And as yeah. an interviewer, I've made a fair few wrong decisions. You know? One of them sitting here, listeners. No. Uh... <laughs> no, but they might make the wrong decision. So don't take it personally. Mm. No, we're, yeah. Humans are fallible. Yeah, you're so right. Definitely never, ever lose the faith in yourself. Ever. Exactly right. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us this week for the dreaded interview technique episode. I mean, I've been sweating. I've been clamming up, but I think I've I think I've done okay. I think I've made it through uh, the interview. And if you would like to be interviewed, Segway Claxon. Oh, I mean, hey, you've been making notes there. I can see. How's he been getting on? How's his body language? Segway Claxon alert. If you would like to be interviewed on the rest of PR, I promise we're not that scary. I promise we are fine interviewers. At least I hope we are. You can be the judge. If you would like to be interviewed, if you'd like to be a guest on the rest of PR, or if you'd like to suggest a topic for us, then you can do so by any number of mediums you can get in contact with us info at the rest is pr.com you can go onto our website the rest is pr.com and check out all the episodes that we've released so far and some more information about the podcast in general you can follow us and then tweet us at the rest is pr capital t capital r capital i capital pr you can email us info at demozo.com you can go to demozo.com to check out everything at demozo have been up to and um, you can also get in touch with us via linkedin uh, i'm not sure if i've mentioned that just yet but you can definitely get in touch with us via linkedin that medium now that a lot of interviews are then generated from you know coming for an interview you might get that message on linkedin but we won't do that uh, in the scary sense we'll do that in the come on the podcast and be interviewed it'll be fun it'll be really relaxing you can get in touch with us lyle Fulton jackie vores and we'll always respond to those messages jackie it won't be as tense an interviewee next time <laughs> but same time next week yes Yes, fantastic stuff. Well, listeners, thank you so much for joining us on the latest installment of The Rest is PR. We will see you next week for another episode. But for now, from Jackie and myself, it's bye for now.